Would you recognize immortality if it knocked on your door, gentlemen? Obviously you wouldn't, but that's beside the point. I want this swamp thing, and I want the notebook. Now. Don't worry, I'll get rid of him. You will not get rid of him. You will simply get him. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Fascinate with Film. Now you got me wanting to watch License to Drive, What a great movie. What a great movie. With the great... uh, The Corys. I can't... Avery... What was his name? The guy who played the the DMV guy was uh, Uncle Phil. It's one of the first (laughs) times you saw Heather Graham. Oh, Heather Graham. Yeah. I think technically she had come come out... Well, I... She definitely came out in Drugstore Cowboy before that, that but we certainly hadn't no, seen it. No, hell no. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. we. That was one of the ladies, and I think if you were a little bit older than us, it's how you felt about Phoebe Cates. Like, if you were our age when Phoebe Cates did Fast Towns Ridgemont yeah. I that was, for us, it was uh, Mercedes, uh, Heather Graham. Yeah. Uh, specifically from License to Drive, though, mm-hmm. because she epitomized everything. And the funny part wanted. is, like, her name, character's name was Mercedes, and he always wanted a Mercedes, but yeah. then they kept just making jokes. Like, yeah, I'm going to yeah. ride in a Mercedes. Like, sex jokes based on It was on great. Name. She was awesome. In it. And she, she had already done Twin Peaks, I would imagine, too. I think Twin Peaks was maybe that year or maybe the year before it. Yeah. It was good. So how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Anything new happen with you? I have just come back from the Bahamas. Did you come back from the Bahamas? I did not. You did not? <laughs> I would have paid. Uh, you would have paid me to go in your place. Probably. Uh, yeah, I liked it. I enjoyed the the Bahamas themselves were awesome. The cruise was interesting. I'm, uh, me and Christina would both agree that we're glad we went on a cruise. We're definitely more like you where we want to go. Have more control over Yeah, it. have more control over things and get an Airbnb and rent a car or just Uber to different places and explore and hike on our own when you're on a uh when you're on a boat you're kind of maintained by the the company to do different things but if you're a drinker and an eater and uh, a partier it, it seemed great because you could just go up to deck 18 and go to a, a bar and then you're going down to deck six and go to another bar and the, the drinks when you have a package that includes drink specials it's like everything under nine dollars is included in that so you could just fucking get pissed all day long I mean, I drank twice on there, and it was just that last day on Stephen's wedding. Because we went there for a wedding. Uh, I had a Heineken, and then I had like a couple sips of uh, champagne. But that was it. I drank coffee and Coke there. Uh, and it reminds me why I don't like to be around I severely drunk I think I drink more people. alcohol on a weekend than you do all year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't doubt that at all, for sure, because I don't drink that much. I'll, I'll have a couple like nips up north of Jim Beam. with. Oh, I did have a shot. Everyone was taking a shot. And they're like, Paul, you got to take a shot. And I said, I'll take a shot. And they were like, we're doing tequila. And I said, I'll do Jim Beam. So they had a whole platter of, of tequilas with the with the uh, the lemons if and everything. If you're not a drinker, you have to be careful about yeah. what shots you do no, and, that's and what you don't I think do. they realized that. Like, Steven wasn't even a part of it. He came over and I said, I took a shot for you. And he's and like, what? <laughs> and here's the thing. Like, if you drink Jim Beam, you get numb to Jim Beam. Yeah, yeah. And if you go and have a different liquor altogether... I don't know what tequila would do to me, but I knew I knew well enough not to get it. <laughs> so, but it definitely confirmed to me that I, I I just can't stand drunk people, man. It's just a if you're not an uh, drink alcohol yourself, you I think you have a problem. I don't have that mentality. I don't dance and I don't drink. So if I'm going to one of these parties, 
I am the guy who's sitting off to the side. Mm-hmm. And you're either going to A, come over and see if I'm all right, or B, try to drag me on the dance floor. And I don't want to be part of any of that. <laughs> so usually I hang out with the people that do it or go do something else. So there were there was like the, the first night we were there. Uh, it was like 1130 at night. And I was like, I'm going back to the cabin. Or we went back to the cabin. I was like, I'm going to stay here. She's like, oh, I'm going to go down. I'm going to go up to deck 18 and hang out with Steven. I said, like, go for it. And I said, like, that's the beauty of the fucking thing. You'll be fine. Uh, and she went and did that and drank too much and then threw up probably eight times the next day. And we didn't leave the uh, room till noon. So I was like, hey, see, times. that's kind of crazy. That's why I don't drink. You know, it's not worth it. To Every me. five years, I'll throw up once. And yeah. it's usually because I try to eat. It's from eating, not drinking. If I try to eat when I'm drunk. Oh, okay. Yeah, people, I guess if you drink, you like know what Like, if I eat before, is. I'll never get sick. No. But if I get drunk and then try to eat... See, you learn tricks. You learn tricks. To be able to do it. Uh, All right. From, so, so yeah, I was on. The, I was in the Bahamas for those uh, few days. But, uh, yeah, we're definitely going to go back. We're not going to go to the cruise line and everything. But it's cool to know what, what people do on the cruise and how it works. So, that part, I'm happy about. But the, the Bahamas themselves, for sure. I'm, I'm going to go back and get a bungalow and uh, do my own exploring. But I did have time before we went to watch a few movies here. And one of them made my fantastic list. So I was excited about that because nothing had been added since like Elvis when I watched Elvis. But kind of a couple very good ones. I just randomly, I, I told you I got those 300 movies and I got them per genre. That way I can just reach in and grab one from horror, one from comedy, one from drama. Uh, and I grabbed a drama. And I pulled out uh, Jack Dempsey, which was the boxing movie, mm-hmm. and it starred Treat Williams. And I was like, holy shit, uh, I've been wanting to watch this. And it was like two hours and 45 minutes. But and I was like, well, I'll give it a shot because a lot of these movies that I have I'm gonna are just there to me to see if they're worth owning, too. So <laughs> I'm owning a movie to see if it's worth owning. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it was so cheap to buy that it was worth, it was like three bucks or something to <laughs> own. Or some of these were $1.50 because they were part of a free thing that I had going on. So I watched it and I was like, man, it's a good movie. It was really good. It was, I think it was a made for TV movie. Uh, like a two part series? Uh, maybe it was like a two parter or something, but it was, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, another one was Cruising. I don't think I had talked about this on here. I've been wanting to watch Cruising for, for fucking ever because uh, people compare it to 10 to Midnight and uh, it's basically, and it's William Freakin, but it's 1980 <laughs> so Al Pacino. If uh, Tom Cruise did a point <laughs> yeah, yeah that's what it would be called yeah i want to be like tom we already have a movie with uh, al pacino it's just no mine has to be cruising make sure you get rid of all the copies of the 1980 cruising movie which is very popular do, do you know what that was Mm-mm. uh it was he was a uh it was around somewhat the same time he did serpico i mean serpico might have been 78 and this was 80 so he kind of looked the same without the uh the beard and he's a cop and they uh someone's going around killing uh gay dudes from the gay bars and everything so he's got to go deep undercover so you're you kind of got the idea of uh maybe he's uh throughout the whole movie you got the idea that maybe al pacino's gay and that's why he took the assignment or maybe uh did i say al pacino yeah uh or maybe al pacino is actually doing it and he he took the job for that reason so you, you kind of got the both things going in it, and it's a very gritty look at the at the gay bar scene and the uh, the scenes in the parks afterwards where they're all hooking up and everything, and him trying to look at uh, find victims and uh, and uh, hunt down suspects and everything. It was great. I liked it. I liked it a lot. But the movie that made my fantastic list, and I was super excited about seeing this because it wasn't available for a while. And this guy, Ruben Ost, he's uh, Swedish. Let me. 
look his name up here. This is the director of this movie, and he's up for an Oscar this year. Uh, That's why I one of the movies. So Ruben Ostlund is one of the big directors right now. He directed the the movie that he directed that's in uh, up for an Oscar is that Triangle of Sadness, Mm -hmm. which was I told you about it was that one with the cruise line Mm -hmm. that goes down and then it hits the island and um, they have the rich people. It's a takedown. Bottom hands on top. It's (laughs) it's a very dark comedy and so is this one from 2014. It's called Force Majeure. And I've heard several people say, oh, you like Triangle Sadness? Force Majeure. Force Majeure is the excellent version of one of his movies, and everyone loved Triangle Sadness, but they said Force Majeure was even better. So I looked it up, and it wasn't available streaming, so something must have happened in mid-month or something, and I looked, and I saw that it was on HBO Max, and I was like, oh, shit, that's that Force Majeure. Maybe it's because the Oscars had been uh, released. They released his old stuff. There's another movie he's got out called... Damn, I can't remember the name, but it's got Elizabeth Moss in it and someone else. Uh, and it's also Swedish. Uh, but Force Majeure, really freaking good, man. And it takes place, it has the same exact music as Triangle of Sadness. I wonder if all his movies have the same exact music, like the exact. Like if you watch that Triangle of Sadness uh, trailer, it has the specific music in it, same as Force Majeure. Hmm. And it uh, it was uh, filmed in, so it's Swedish, filmed in Italy, and it's all at an Italian uh, uh, snow resort, like skiing resort. And at the very beginning of the movie, we're seeing this perfect couple. He, he just loves the takedown of kind of rich kind of pricks uh, is kind of his thing, but it's so subtle. Like the comedy in Force Majeure, it's a little bit more noticeable, the comedy in Triangle Sadness than Force Majeure, because it more seems like a kind of relationship drama where some guy, and it's very interesting. So at the very beginning of Force Majeure, we see this beautiful looking dude and a beautiful looking woman and two beautiful looking kids and they're all skiing together and they're all taking naps together at this resort and then they at the very beginning they're at this uh like breakfast they had already ordered their food and everything and it overlooks the mountain and they have their phones out and he's recording and uh it looks like an avalanche coming and they were like and they were like, should we be concerned? And he's like, no, those are controlled avalanches. It happens all the time. And it gets closer and closer and closer. And then it engulfs them. Well, the big thing, and this was the catalyst that controlled the whole fucking movie, was this one scene. You miss this one scene in the movie, it's, it's over for you. Because when it happens, the kids scream, Daddy. He runs from the table for his life, leaving his wife and his kids behind. And now it's that moment that they're all, because then the avalanche it wasn't as bad, and it just dissipates. And everyone, and they know that about him? Yeah, he, he's still, even when it dissipates and everyone's picking their stuff up and like, wow, that was kind of wild. He, he had ran so far that it, he still hasn't backed to the uh, table yet. So he gets back to the table, but the idea is that he didn't own up to it at all and said, oh, I kind of fucked that up. I, I kind of ran away from my wife and kids mm-hmm. and everything and says, well, I perceived the uh, the uh, the whole situation differently. So he fights with his wife and then the wife can't let it go. She's like, well, I'm, I'm married to this guy that leaves us and everything. And there's a great moment where uh, a friend of his has showed up to the uh, resort and he was in Game of Thrones. He's there with his girlfriend and they get talking and everything after they the, the wife opens this whole thing up again they've already discussed it twice and the wife gets drunk and they're at like a dinner party together just for these two couples and she starts talking about it again you can see it over the husband's face oh he's going to bring this she's going to bring this up and uh they get into it and then when the couple leave on the elevator they start going into it because the the girlfriend's like i can kind of see you doing the whole the same thing and he's like what are you talking about 
I think I take care of my family and everything, and they start, and it starts affecting them. Uh, and it, uh, it's crazy how it snowballs into this major thing, and it has this great ending to it, which kind of redeems all the different parties involved and everything. And uh, and not only does it redeem the parties involved, the wife, uh, there's a situation at the end where the wife runs from, which kind of uh, shows, ah, we're all guilty of this fucking bad judgment shit. It was <laughs> such a great movie. Really fantastic. So if you get a chance to watch Force Majeure, especially with Triangle of Sadness coming out, and it's not going to get any love at the fucking Oscars. It's a fucking shame. It's a great movie, the best movie of the year, in my opinion, but it's going to lose out to all these different movies. They need the Oscars quicker, you know? All these movies, like, it's March 12th. We've almost forgot about all those movies that have been nominated. It was like all in like the published consciousness with uh, with the Golden Globes, and now it feels like we've moved on to the new movies of the new year. We still have one award show to go to. So, and I mean, how are you going to live up to the slap? I mean, <laughs> dude, they should just do it. Online. Who's hosting? Is it Jimmy Kimmel? I mean, I would think that they would not want him to joke about it. Because it's kind of a stain. I think he has to joke about it, though. Uh, they've. I know they hired a. This was in the news the other day. They hired like a crisis sort of coordinator mm-hmm. for the Oscars for if something arises, what to do. Since they all double tap, very similar <laughs> to <laughs> very similar to force majeure. They made the wrong mm-hmm. decision. They're good people that just fucked up in the moment because they didn't know they exactly had what them arrested. They didn't out. know what to exactly do. They should have escorted them. It, uh, Ruben Oslin would have loved that whole Oscars like as a movie because it's just rich people being forgiven for being rich. I mean, anyone else that had done that would be dragged out of there and put to the ground and handcuffed and all that. And they gave you an award and you all... <laughs> how, how funny is that? They Not only did they not do that, they gave you an award and everyone gave you a standing ovation for it. <laughs> it's almost ridiculous. Almost like an, a fucking uh, uh, Triangle Status Shame guys movie. people that were clapping, too. Oh, God. Who wasn't? I would feel bad about that, too, because you know they went to maybe Pacino in the audience or something mm-hmm. or whoever it was. Uh, and they were like, and they were probably at home watching it the next day. I was like, oh, why they got to cut to me standing and clapping? There's a lot of people. Everybody's right. clapping. God damn it. Yeah, well, that's what you got to go with. Mm-hmm. But, ah, funny. So I'll be watching it, even though there might be a shit show. I'm hoping there's a shit show now. It people won't. are going to be disappointed because it kind of left everyone. Everyone line will say, squeaky, king, squeaky clean comic keeps it real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. tough to say. Oh, they, the only <laughs> thing that would have made it better is to get Jimmy Fallon because Jimmy Kimmel might make a quip about it or something. If they had got Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Fallon ain't got shit. So shit. Say shit. That no, that motherfucker knows how to toe the line <laughs> for sure. He's kind of a joke in the comedy community. Uh, people talk about it on uh, the podcast I listen to and everything. None of them go on it. They were like, what? So I 80-year-old grandmother can uh, know who we are? They don't care. <laughs> All right, so let's go into the movie for today. For today's To Be Tuesdays, we had a great one last week with uh, Warlock, Warlock 2. Hopefully everyone checked it out on Tubi. I love Tubi, man. The only bad thing I ever have to say about Tubi is their uh, their stuff will pop off before you realize it. I think they give you like a six-day notice, but I wish they made it a lot clearer. You on, make a list? Um it's hard to make a list because things pop up there so much. There's mm-hmm. certain things you know that won't. Like I've said before, I think they have a deal with the Canon films on there that the Canon films aren't popping off. If you need to watch uh, Invasion USA, I think it's always there for you. <laughs> I think uh, almost every movie is free somewhere. No, no, definitely not. You wouldn't believe that. That's why I, mean, I have old to, movie. Well, no, that's how, that's why I have so hard of a problem. Uh, you would not believe. I think 
seventy percent of the movies out there are not available. There, mm. There's like thirty percent of them you can, but all a, a whole shitload. Most of them are behind a paywall of some sort. You're gonna have to pay five ninety nine, or if you can have to buy it on DVD. I find that so much. Like I, I was looking at the other day because I had watched that Belly movie, and I had hadn't watched a, a lot of the some of the major hip hop kind of crime movies. So I wanted to watch Juice. Couldn't buy it anywhere. You, you'd have to buy. You can rent it for five ninety. You can rent everything probably mm-hmm. on Automated. iTunes for five ninety nine. But as far as getting it for free, I had to. I bought it. I bought it for three bucks on uh, eBay. Uh, did I say the name of the movie Juice. Juice was the name of the movie I was looking for. But like Swamp Thing. Well, and this is where I'll totally suck Tubi's dick here. Is well, I never in a million years. He doesn't mean it, Tubi. And we'll talk. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk even more about it when I talk about the trivia. But I've been a Swamp Thing fan for years. I've seen it so much. It scared the shit out of me as a kid. There was a lot of scenes in it that I remember not uh, like turning my head away from the screen when it happened. Transformations and stuff like that bothered me. But for some reason, Tubi was able to get the international cut of Swamp Thing on the station so i implore you to watch the international cut because before it was only available you want to pay 200 dollars, you could own the dvd or if you had the vhs or if you had like one of those pal dvd kind of uh, mm-hmm. uh players you could get a uh european version a british version of it but until now until it's been streaming on tubi the nude scenes were cut this is a pg movie with some serious r-rated nudity in it that I don't know. I guess it would. They didn't get rid of it because of the ratings. Wes Craven had said that it was just way too gratuitous and everything. And uh, that was kind of the reason it was kind of. I agree. I mean, there was real. No, no, there was no. There was no reason for that first nude. No, no, not at all. The second one I could get. Mm -hmm. I I get the second one. We'll get into it more. Let's talk about the cast. Now, were you always a fan of uh, Swamp Thing? I mean, this is one of our first kind Mm -hmm. of DC other than Superman. I never even considered it in that universe. Yeah. So. And we, when we watched this, we didn't know who Wes Craven was. A lot of people don't even remember it was Wes Craven who directed this uh, movie. And it was shortly into his career. I mean, he had already directed Last House on the Left, The Hills Have Eyes, and then he went right into Swamp Thing. And they approached him for it. And apparently he didn't know what the hell Swamp Thing was uh, either. So he had to do some research and everything. But I thought it was a great DC movie. He, he was able to, to keep... What was great about those old films is you could do a comic book movie, and the only thing you would have to add to make it feel like an uh, a comic book movie was interesting transitions. You mm-hmm. know, if you did clever transitions, <laughs> the, the swoop one. or the uh, the open up or something like that, very similar to a movie that came out the same exact year, Creep Show. Mm-hmm. And this has a very Creep Show feel to it. Mm-hmm. If you watch, it's a great pairing. If you're going to watch Creep Show, watch Swamp Thing right afterwards. You'll have two Adrian Barbos t- uh, to watch, which I mean, we we all had a thing for her back then. But man, the hair, the hair is crazy. It's crazy. It was the thing back then, like so it didn't stand out as much as it did now. But if you watch, you look back at Adrian Barbeau, you're like, oh, man, thank God she got rid of those curls because it was a bit much <laughs> back yeah, in the that day. That was the thing, though. Yep. So the cast. Let's go into the cast a little bit. Really great people cast in this movie. Ray Wise played Dr. Alec Holland, and this was the first thing Ray Wise ever did. I mean, I think he did a little bit of TV here and there, but the first big movie that he had done was Swamp Thing. He can hold the scene. Oh, time. man, he's great. I loved him in... Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks, obviously, is where he kind of really peaked himself. Plus, he got to be the whole range of 
Oh yeah, of emotion. He was wild, wild. Uh, like you said, the whole range of emotion. I mean, I mean that he, guy had to put it out. He killed Laura Palmer. Yeah, he killed Laura <laughs> Palmer, and he had to be. He played crazy. Mm-hmm. Just pull up the scene of him dancing to himself. Mm-hmm. Was that on Firewalk with me, or was it on the series? I think it was a series. Series. Uh, because I always kind of confuse Firewalk with me, but he was. So he had been. If we're going through his kind of career here. Cat People had come out, but I didn't see Cat People until later on. That was the Malcolm yeah. McDowell mm-hmm. one. It was good. Robocop, for sure. Yeah. 1980, at the end and of he 87. Was oh, he was he played Leroy or Leon. Yeah, he played Leon. And he was the one that actually dropped that shit on to, uh, to Robocop the- at the end. I got him, Clarence. And then <laughs> uh, Nancy Allen fucking shot him with that big-ass gun and blew him up. But remember, he had to get pulled out of the club by his hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was so great. He was so young and thin in that movie. I loved him as all those guys, like Clarence Bodiger and all his like team. Basically, uh, uh, what's Kirk? Uh, Kurtwood Smith and uh, Ray Wise were the two famous ones. But the guy who got hit with the uh, toxic waste became kind of, kind of famous in different roles, too. Uh, so they did Fire Walk Me. did the Twin Peaks show. We did Fire Walk With Me. I loved him in Rising Sun. He was the kind of ruse of uh, who killed the girl on the boardroom table. Remember, okay, he yeah, was the senator yeah. mm-hmm. that ended up blowing his brains out at the end at the uh, in the, the newsroom when they started faxing pictures of him over, of his <laughs> face uh, being part of it. Yeah, they really screwed him over. Uh, the Chase... I remember in The Chase. I haven't watched that in forever. That was the one with Charlie Sheen and uh, Christy Swanson, where she's like a runaway something, and she gets into Charlie Sheen's car, and she's she's being followed by all sorts of cops and stuff like that. Uh, Powder? Do you remember Powder? Yeah. (laughs) The really white kid? Mm. Uh, I don't even remember anything about it. Did he have a condition or something? He He had a condition, Mm -hmm. but the school was fine with it. I don't know. The movie sucked. Yeah, I remember it sucking. But I also remember it being weird. Like, it was a condition that it wasn't like just alopecia or albinoism. It was something weird. It almost felt to me like uh, how Teen Wolf felt. Or like, we're, we're all fine with him being a werewolf and just <laughs> play, playing on the on the, on the basketball hey, squad. If you just agree, Everyone's everybody kidding. in that universe agrees it's okay. I mean, <laughs> I always thought that was one of the weirdest things in the world that we were all supposed to be completely fine with a werewolf being on. <laughs> but didn't the, they grow the up with a show that was called My My Son Was a Teenage Werewolf or something? Wasn't there? That a, was a Michael Landon movie. Also one of the hardest movies to find. It's not available on DVD. So it's not like it, it was the first time I watched Teen that Wolf happened. on Park Street with Mom in the kitchen on the black and white TV. And when he turned into a werewolf, I hid in the corner and had the TV next to me. I could hear it, but I couldn't see it. What did you do during the howling then? Oh, <laughs> I didn't watch it. <laughs> it under my covers. Yeah, for a while there are transformations, and like I said, this movie falls into that category and everything. It really bothered me. The idea you that like you'd lose shining lo- eyes. The either. idea that you could lose your identity and not get it back really fucked with me as a child. Uh, I mean, it doesn't bother me as much anymore. Now, so Ray Wyatt was in Jeepers Creepers too, which he kind of was the best thing about that movie, uh, and he made it really fun. Uh, he was also in Good Night and Good Luck. He had been gone for a while and came back in Good Night and Good Luck, and then he also played like a major senator in X Men First Class. He's in a TV show too, so he he's, he stays in TV. Like I I see him now in a bunch of random TV shows, so he's still doing stuff. Adrian Barbeau plays Alice Cable. Now this was one of her first movies. She had done The Fog, I think, was her very first movie, and then she did Swamp Thing, and then uh, and then I think Escape from New York, and then it went to Cannonball Run. No, okay, here's the line. I included it in her list here. So she did The Fog was her first movie. She had already done Maud. That was kind of where she became famous. If you go back and watch a lot of those old mods, I think they're available on Tubi too. I love that series, man. You forget how great uh, that girl, uh, what's her name? Uh, 
who played Dorothy in Golden Girls, mm-hmm. uh, how great she was as that mod character. And her daughter was Adrian Barbeau in the movie, or in the TV show. So from that, she went on to do movies. She did The Fog, Escape from New York, loved her in Escape from New York, loved her in Cannibal Run. Then she did Swamp Thing, and then she did Creep Show. She was like a sex symbol. Yep, Creep Show, back to school, and then she had a huge hiatus, and she had done TV. She did that Carnival TV show, which was awesome. She was great in it. And then she randomly did Argo, uh, which I haven't seen Argo, I think, since the theater. I need to rewatch that. I own it, but I haven't Affleck? watched it since the theater. Yeah, the Affleck one. It was one. good. I, saw it. I watched it again at, since the theater, and it was still yeah. as good. Uh, the villain in this movie, brilliantly played by Louis Jordan. It's one of those movies that if you cast, sometimes you would cast a British or a French actor, just their accent alone will carry him mm-hmm. into uh, to good stuff. And that was always my uh, feeling with Louis Jordan. He had done a ton of French films before he started doing stuff over here. They did Swamp Thing, but we remember him as the Bond villain in uh, Octopussy. I loved him in Octopussy. Octopussy is one of my favorite Roger Moore James Bond movies. I just thought it was fun, and they were hitting it. They were nailing it big time. Uh, And then Jordan came back for Return of the Swamp Thing. Uh, Him and the guy who played Swamp Thing are the only two, because Ray Wise didn't play. He turned into the... Yeah, he turned into the creature and everything, but you know know how they Dead in the Swamp. Yeah. I haven't. Re- I need to rewatch, and I'm pretty sure it's available on Tubi. The Return to Swamp Thing is on there too, and it's him. I said he'd be back. Heather Locklear plays the hmm. the. I don't think it's good though. I think it's like bad, bad, not like good, bad. <laughs> so I haven't given it a sh- shot yet. So the guy who and here's some of the smaller character actors in the film that you you know people listening to this probably know from different things, but don't realize what you know him from. So the main kind of uh, henchman to Louis Jordan, the guy with the curly hair yeah. and the red bandana. That's David Hess. He played the character of Ferret. His main thing that I remember him on, and he'll always be this character because it's so troubling, is he is the main rapist from The Last House on the Left. That group in the woods that, that rapes mm-hmm. her and goes to the house, he's the main guy that does it. So it's pretty jarring. There's two other movies that he had done. He'll that, always be the rapist. That had small parts in. He was, one of, he was like <laughs> Thug One in Armed and Dangerous, which I loved. And then he played... Uh, some sort of other thug in Let's Get Harry, which I don't think many people know Let's Get Harry except for me. It's one of those random HBO movies that had... Um, it was it was very similar to Uncommon Valor. You know, the old buddies have to get the gang back together mm-hmm. to go to a different country to rescue their friend who's like behind enemy lines. That's what Let's Get Harry was. Had Mark Harmon, had uh, Thomas Wilson, uh, Biff... Uh, it I saw was a one of them. Him good. Yeah, the, the picture that's going going mm-hmm. viral. He looked the best in that photo, mm-hmm. man. I, I showed Christine the other day. I said, "Who would think that Biff is the best looking? Uh, who aged the best in this photo? Not that the other guys didn't, because uh, well, Christopher Lloyd's Christopher Lloyd old, aged really well, though. But he's old. I mean, the I, I hate to say it, but the worst looking person in the picture is Michael J. Fox. Understandably, why he is. But uh, Leah Thompson aged well. You could tell Leah Thompson hasn't had work done, which is a, a major I hate, sticking I hate point. Lip fillers. Oh. Don't don't touch your face, man. Just, just age gracefully. I love when people age gracefully. Even if, like, people giving Shelly Duvall shit. I was like, fuck you, man. I'll give Shelly Duvall shit. She's aged the way she ages, and that's what mm. she is. And she she's going to come back and kill it in some of the movies that are coming out in the next couple of years. Because I think she's making a return to movies. I know she's playing in a horror movie that's coming out soon. So I love that she's doing stuff. Uh, Nicholas Worth is another one that everyone will know. He is the one that turned into the little person. person, And most people know him from Darkman. He was very good in Darkman. Mm -hmm. And he was one of the first like fake faces that Liam Neeson made and uh, was going to 
killed Durant as the Nicholas Worth character. So he was also in uh, Coma, Hills of Eyes, Part 2, City Heat. Remember City Heat? Mm-hmm. With uh, Clint Eastwood and Burt Reynolds. Uh, it, the concept was better than the movie itself. But it was, <laughs> uh, also in Armed and Dangerous, that's true. Uh, Heartbreak Ridge, No Way Out. No Way Out, he played the Russian, the guy that just sat in the corner. Uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown, he played one of the frogs. It's funny as hell. Uh, Action Jackson, Naked Gun, uh, Dark Man, Barbed Wire, High School High. All good stuff, man. He uh, He's not with us anymore, but he always put out some quality stuff. Now, Reggie Batts played Jude, which is the little black kid in this movie. Oh, yeah. Was he was a, he was. was a local. Hmm. Yep, he had never done anything and hadn't done anything since. Wes Craven uh, said he thought he was perfect for the... He, Certainly delivered the best one-liners, mm-hmm. you know, like there goes the neighborhood and uh, must be one of those hit and run type of trees and uh, <laughs> just hung out with Adrian Barbeau and got cradled into her, into her uh, ample bosom. <laughs> he was awesome in it. I loved him. And now Dick Durock is the one who played Swamp Thing. Apparently they tried to do it with Ray Wise and, and a stuntman, but the stuntman's makeup looked completely different than Ray Wise. You could tell the difference. They were like, let's just cast somebody different to play Swamp Thing. <clears throat> and they got Dick so, Dorock. So Ray Wise, he wasn't in much of the movie. No, he was just in the beginning. And you would know Dick Dorock in some of his... He had done tons of TV. A-Team, friggin' Law & Order, or, uh, tons of TV. But the movies he had done... I mean, this guy had a fucking... What movie run. would I know him from? When I looked him up, I think the... Maybe Stand By Me. He played one of the characters that was at the scene where the uh, they was puking all the blueberry pie up on okay. people he was super tall and if you saw an image of it you might recognize him from that uh but so his career included the inf- and this was just acting stuff this was most of this stuff was without makeup some of it was he had a whole different side of stuff where he was a stuntman so as actor he was in the enforcer any which way you can history of the world part one they call me bruce silverado runaway train raw deal stand by me blind date the return of swamp thing delirious die hard with a vengeance i think it, he was like one of those oh i know he was in the pie eating contest he was yeah, one of the yeah 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 he was one and he was the big dude that yeah. Everybody was cheering for when he came on stage. He not the won. fat guy. Not the yeah, fat yeah, yeah. guy. Oh, the the big, big dude. Yeah. Big dude that he was going against. Yep. He had like a yellow shirt on and mm-hmm. everything. Uh, yeah. He was really good. So check him up. Now the crew, Wes Craven, who obviously became one of the great uh, directors and writers. And it's a shame we, he died like suddenly, man. Like we, no one saw that one coming. That was one of those ones where you just woke up and realized, oh shit, Wes Craven's dead. And he was younger than you thought. And I'm not sure what he died from, but... So leading up to this, he had, like I said, he had did Last House on the Left, The Hills Have Eyes, and then uh, Deadly Blessing he had also done, which is a weird, random uh, uh, Sharon Stone movie uh, that he had done. And then he did Swamp Thing, then he did Hills Have Eyes Part 2, and then Nightmare on Elm Street, and then from Nightmare on Elm Street, he kind of went off, did all his crazy stuff. And And every once in a while would put out like a more dramatic thriller one like Red Eye I thought Red Eye was one of his mm-hmm. better ones man I love yeah. it uh, I love the one with Christy Swanson playing the robot uh, damn what the hell was that, that? oh it was so good man uh, the violence on it was a lot more surprising uh, than I thought it was um, cinematographer Robbie Greenberg was a cinematographer on this and he had done a bunch of low budget stuff and then he started doing some 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 bigger ones he was the cinematographer on Free Willy Under Siege 2 Fool's Russian Snow Day with Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, Save the Last Dance, Santa Claus 3, and Wild Hogs. Now, the music. Now, Harry Manfredini 
did the music for this. And he is, unfortunately, a one-trick pony. <laughs> because if you're watching this movie and you're hearing the music, you think you're watching a Friday the 13th movie because mm-hmm. that's all he can do. He he just does the Friday the 13th music for you can all his hear movies. The twinkle. Yeah. He just does the Friday the 13th movies. He did it in House. We just, me and Eric just recently talked about him doing the music for House. It's just a tweak here and there. Other than that, it's the Friday the 13th music. Mm-hmm. I think that's all he can do. But if it, the movie is made... Uh, if it calls for well, it. Well, it calls for it, then... Yeah. Beautiful. It works. The, I mean, the only people that get upset are really diehard Friday the 13th people. No, Most people and, wouldn't even pick up. And, and even the Friday the 13th fans are like, oh, this must be the same composer and everything. I, I get, I kind of get an enjoyment out of that. So if you go back and you rewatch all the Friday the 13th films, all the house films, he also did the music for Slaughter High, Deep Star Six, and Wishmaster. And it's one of those, it's the most recognizable music there is out there. So Slaughter High. Slaughter I wonder High. if that's the one I'm thinking of where the guy gets killed with the lawnmower. He was in the shop. So they must have been at summer school. I'll have to ask a serial Eric. killer. This is an Eric question for sure. It, it was a cheesy horror movie. 80s. In the 80s. Yeah. And explain what happens. He's in the shop and he's working on like a lawnmower. And he's underneath it. Uh-huh. And the killer comes in and pulls the oh, just cord and it just like. Bing, 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 nice. Cut his arms off. Death by. I gotta, that shouldn't be that hard to find. I'll have to figure that one out. Bring it to you in a later pot. I mean, it was definitely one of those movies where they, they said, how can we kill people really Oh, cool? yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they just built a it story around it. Any of those, Slaughter High, uh, the, all those, Chopping Mall, all those had those kind of interesting stuff. So the details for this movie, the release date, February 19th, 1982. Oh, shit, just had its anniversary. Was that like three days ago? Two days ago? Uh, filming locations, Cypress Gardens and Charleston, South Carolina, which looked very, I think it was supposed to be more of like the bayou kind of Louisiana, mm-hmm. but apparently South Carolina has <laughs> locations that look very mm-hmm. similar to it. Uh, the budget, $3 million, and I could not get any word on the worldwide gross. No one's talking about it. <laughs> I went on Reddit, I went everywhere, and there were single posts that why is it unknown, that why is the worldwide gross for Swamp Thing uh, 1982 unknown, and no one knows why. So they were trying to keep it a secret. Probably lost money big time, and they wanted to get uh, Swamp, they wanted mm-hmm. Return of the Swamp thing to be made. So uh, a couple of these I had already mentioned, but I'll go a little deeper into them. So Dick Dorock had originally been brought in as a stuntman, but Wes realized that it was too difficult cutting between Ray Wise to make up, uh, in makeup back to Dick. So he hired uh, Dick to play the Swamp thing exclusively. I'm wondering, there must be footage out there of that too. Really crazy. Uh, what did I hear recently that there was footage out for... And it was somebody else playing it. Uh, Did they ever? Oh, I listened to Dana Carvey was on the uh, Two Bears, One Cave, the Burt Kreischer podcast. And Dana Carvey was talking about all sorts of movies and stuff like that. And he talked about making Trapped in Paradise. And uh, it, it was Trapped in Paradise was originally supposed to be like De Niro, Pesci and Harvey Keitel. And then it eventually went to Nicolas Cage, Dana Carvey and John Lovitz. And that's why Dana Carvey kept that kind of weird kind of uh, uh, mob voice to be funny for it and everything. So he's telling all sorts of stories. And it's interesting to hear him talk about uh, Wayne's World. You get the impression that him and Mike Myers weren't like the best of friends. Mm-hmm. Mike Myers was is kind of like notoriously kind of uh, sweet and sour. He, he's such a artist that he wants things done his way. He's not a dick, I'd say, but he's kind of a difficult person to work with. Uh, which might go a long way with why they have not done uh, Wayne's World. Uh, Wayne's they wouldn't World even need makeup. Yeah, they had a lot of uh, in exclusive control on it and everything. So I guess that's why he hasn't done it. Well, he's killing it now. With he's uh, Dana Carvey has a podcast with David Spade. 
mm-hmm. just do the podcast together and have celebrities on. It's pretty cool. Uh, so Adrian Barbeau's topless scene. So this is the story behind it because it's been going around forever as a media junkie as myself. People have always asked me. They find out I'm a horror fan. They find out, like, do you have the Swamp Thing? Do you have the special Swamp Thing? He's like, no, Gary, I, I do not. Right? Gary, he was, he loved it. He had an Adrian Barbeau thing, and he was always looking for it himself, the uh, the elusive cut of in it's easy if you have a uh, a non-region code DVD player, which a lot of them are now, so you can just kind of get that version. Uh, I have the VHS for this, and I have not checked, but now that I have the VHS player uh, hooked up to my TV and I know where the scene is in the movie, I can actually go in there and check and see if it's in there. But it's on Tubi, so check it out yourself. Uh, Adrian Barbo's topple scene was shot and intended solely for the European release. When it first came out on DVD through MGM, they released the European cut in the States by mistake. That's why there's some of them out there. And once it was discovered, it was immediately recalled. They tried to get Barbo to sign off on the mistake, but she refused, citing the terms of her contract. Yeah, should have given her more money. She probably would have left it in there for mm-hmm. you and everything. But they were like, well, whatever. People will still watch the movie. When it's out on DVD already, and DVD probably came out 20 years after they releasing it on VHS, they probably didn't care. Yeah. So, uh, Louis Jordan's son died during filming, so a little bit of a downer there. That's always shitty. I'm assuming that big things like that happen on movie sets all the time in real life, where people have to be called away because of <laughs> deaths. I mean, the, the big one... Tough was, to come back. The big one was probably... Uh, what's the director who did Superman and... Uh, Superman and uh, friggin' Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder's daughter committed suicide while he was on the set of uh, Justice League. That's why he had to leave. He had to leave Justice League. Josh Wheaton took over. Josh Wheaton fucked it up. They allowed Zack Snyder to come back and get his uh, cut made, that four-hour cut, Mm -hmm. and that's because his uh, daughter committed suicide. It's horrible. So stuntman Anthony Seary, who also did the Freddy burn in Nightmare on Elm Street, taught himself how to do it by trying various chemicals on himself around the family swimming pool and setting himself on fire. Nice. The fire stunt in this was awesome. It was when great. When Ray Wise caught on fire, it was probably one of the best-looking fire effects I've ever seen. And you what cannot you realize see that suit. Is he's got a long way to go to that. He's got to go through the lab, out yep. the front door, down the... Pathway. Yep, and and then finally in the swamp. And most of the time, when you see fire stunts, go back and watch the thing one, where you could see the guy wearing like that dog mm-hmm. suit, like that, yeah. that, literally that dog suit to keep him. A lot of those old ones were like this. This, I don't know what the hell they did. They just covered him with that gel and uh, prayed for the best, I guess. But it is a really impressive fire stunt. Um, Reggie uh, Bats was cast so they didn't have to abide by the SAG rules from for children. Makes sense. I mean, who was the little black kid? Okay, that was, was one what? of the main reasons. Not only was he perfect in the role, but they didn't have to deal with SAG. Oh, yeah, that's right. And as filmmakers ourselves, like our last film, we had two SAG actors on set, so and we had, had to fill out paperwork and and make sure they had certain amount of breaks and mm-hmm. uh, certain amount of money that they were being paid. And with kids, it's probably fucking crazy. With kids, you can't probably. Eight shoot more days. than that might be generous it might be more like five hours and certainly not after 9 p.m and mm-hmm. that type of stuff so it's got to be a pain in the ass uh west craven was forbidden by the ch- uh, by the church that he went to when he was younger to read comics so he was unaware of swamp thing before he was approached to direct it uh west craven did not have a good experience making the film apparently thought he'd blown his chance at a big budget film and thought he'd never work again I think he took like a couple years off before what did i say his next movie was after this um 
Hills are part two. Ooh, that's kind of a stinker right there. Have you even seen that one? The, the sequel he did to the original? I think I own it. I'm not sure I even have seen it. I need to go back and watch that. Uh, but I know it was a stinker. Um, Save you two hours. So Craven was not happy with the transformation of Bruno or Arcane, which I could get the Bruno one. I like the Arcane transformation. Mm. I thought that was good. The Bruno one, obviously, was done off camera and it was very strange. Uh, and apparently when he was asked about it, uh, they did a documentary where Sean Cunningham, who's famous for the Friday 13th movies, interviewed him. And his only response was like a loud sigh <laughs> and a shaking of his head. So it was one of those cases where he's a new director and he didn't have the kind of clout to be mm-hmm. able to, if he had already done Nightmare on Elm Street, he'd probably been able to say, Hey, we're put an extra 20,000 in yeah. and we're going back and reshooting that shit. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So let's kind of go over the movie and some of our favorite stuff that we liked. So if you're not familiar with the Swamp Thing, I never read uh, the... There's two versions that are really popular of the Swamp Thing in the comics. One of them was made by... um, One of them was the original one that was done by DC. And then somewhere in the 70s, the guy who did The Watchmen... I can't remember what that guy's name. He did The Watchmen. He did that Batman. Uh, One of the best comics, graphic novels of all time was The Watchmen. And the guy, uh, and then he did The Dark Knight Returns. And it's also one of the best ones. So this guy took over a run of Swamp Thing and did it for like, I think, 40 or 50 issues. What year did it come out? uh, the, The movie? No. Uh, the, the comic. The comic, the 70s. It's, it's whatever the 70s one was. It's the guy who looks like a fucking madman did it. I can't remember his name. But uh, from what people, when they talk about it, they said it's one of the best well-written uh, Swamp Things or best one well-written comic books ever. They said it plays almost like Shakespearean, that it's so good, that people love that 70s Swamp Thing and everything. So I'm hoping when... the and, what we've heard is Mangold is going to be James Mangold, who's famous for Copland and Walk the Line, and he's doing the new Indiana Jones movie. Is going to do the new Swamp Thing when it comes out. James Gunn obviously is going to be behind it because he runs DC now. So hopefully he will just take from that run because that's the run everyone says. I'm not sure how accurate this is. This was an original screenplay. Wes Craven wrote up and kind of kept some things in there. A lot of his healing properties are different. The tubers that he has on his back are like. Uh, are a big thing in the comics. I don't know what they do. Maybe it's part of his healing or something like that, but those tubers are like big part of him that mm. hang off his body. So in this movie, though, we're dealing with a secret kind of, what would you call it? Uh, well, you've got like, like three people. So you, you've got the scientist. What was the Sean Connery one when he was looking for the cure for cancer? Medicine Man? Yeah, yeah that is kind of it Medicine like Man-y. Field, field. Research. It's field research. So you've got the scientists, you have the the government agents, and then you have the like villain and his kind of his uh, his lackeys that are basically doing whatever like they want. Delta Squad to get the power. So the power is going to be. I don't know originally what Lewis Jordan thought it was going to be because it was it was just being uh, kind of tested at this point. Where Regeneration. They, he wanted it for its regenerative properties. Yeah, and we saw moments of it. Because you never die if you regenerate. It had that great element that's done in movies where you bring Adrian Barbeau in as the character that's unfamiliar with the whole Taking situation. Over something. It's the best way to get out exposition. Mm-hmm. You have your world already set up. You have somebody from outside that world comes in and you have the other characters explain to you and the audience what 
what is going on and what's happening, and then you kind of experience it. Or we can hire eyes. Matthew Broderick and have him do voiceover. Voiceover and narration. <laughs> Harrison Ford, whatever it is. And uh, so Adrian Barbo comes in, and she realizes, all right, there's some good scientists, and you got one that's kind of uh, sexy and available. And they, he, she thinks for a brief moment he's kind of uh, uh, taken uh, because he's so familiar with the other uh, well, woman there. His assistant Fiza. was... His sister. His sister. Yeah. But they called each other Dr. Thurman. Yeah. And not until he said, oh, he got the brains in the family. Yeah. Uh, and she's th- like, Did she realize what was going on? I'm going to have sex with that guy. <laughs> so we're seeing all sorts of, we're seeing shots of the government agency, the 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 goon squad who's going and looking for everything. And uh, soon after the discoveries made that they've been waiting for, they show that the green liquid, which is very satisfying, you know, that great mm-hmm. fluorescent liquid. It's almost like nitroglycerin. Mm-hmm. Like she, she takes it, she puts it on her hand. I'm not even sure how that's possible, but she, I mean, it's all fake anyways. She puts her hands in it and she kind of whacks her hands towards the ground and the water comes off of it and it explodes on the ground. But then it grew trees. But then it grew trees from it and they realized, oh man, we actually did it. And he's got like... deforestation. And he's got like six books uh, that... Seven. Seven books? Is that what it is? That uh, take... Uh, she keeps the... She Adrian keeps the seventh Barbeau book. Yeah. grabs the seventh one. So right when the movie starts and they do the discovery, someone busts in that we've seen before and they pull a Mission Impossible type thing and it looks actually pretty good for 1982 where he's mm. he's pulling off a mask and it's Louis yeah. Jordan underneath it and everything and he's like, we're taking all your stuff, we're burning this down, we're killing you, we're doing all that and that's when the, the fire scene happens where they set Ray Wise on fire. Runs through the friggin' uh, lab, lands in the water. Shot his sister. You, you shot his sister. He freaked out. Uh, Adrian Barbo escaped with one of the books. She kind of hides it, uh, and she ends up going back for it later. <clears throat> but she gets away for a while, and little do we know what Ray Wise is in the swamp becoming Swamp Thing, which talk about something that would have been more expensive but would have been interesting to see was the transformation of the Swamp Thing. They didn't even try to show Mm-mm. us that. It was literally a guy in a rubber suit, and you saw the rubber suit moving all the time in the movie. It didn't take away from it because it was he done. He looked okay. It was done so well, and his face still looked really good, but when his, if you're looking at his thighs and everything where he's like walking, you can really see the, uh, the rubber suit uh, <laughs> like he's wearing pants, rubber pants. Uh, <clears throat> still great, though. So as she's escaping, she's got to go through this like bayou by herself. She runs into that uh, that gas station where that little funny black kid is, and, and totally rules the movie. And you thought that was the only scene with him, and they worked in several scenes. With he, that was kid right the he was right to the very end. He was right to the end, helping her out and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they, they're basically hunting her down. Some of the the best stuff were with Lewis Jordan back at his like camp. You know when you realized. What he really wanted, he just wants... He was the perfect villain. He was the perfect, I just want to take over the world, and if it means transforming myself into a better person. Uh, But he's also smart. Like, he tries the serum. He gets the serum. He follows it to a T. He he thinks something got fucked up with it. Even when he gets the book, he thinks something's fucked up with it because when he, he tests it on Bruno, they're at, like, a dinner party, and that was the other nude scene where they're all getting... There's strippers around there, and they're dancing with him and everything. Seemed right for the scene. <clears throat> and they're at the... Uh, the other one did not. No. Uh, yeah, and we kind of went over that. There's just a random scene in the middle of the movie, and this was the topless scene, where Adrian Barbo is in the swamp, cleaning herself, washing herself, rubbing her boobs down, like straight up shot, not mm-hmm. even done, like kind of... It was almost like you were thinking it was going to be a dream sequence for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And something jumped up at her or mm-hmm. something like that, and it wasn't. It was just... And you saw 
uh, Swamp Thing looking at her at some point. Maybe it was his dream. Yeah. So he saves her a couple times. So And then at some point she does realize who he is and says, holy shit, that's the fucking, that's Alec, that's the doctor. And uh, it's all because at some point they had a moment at the beginning. He could have just said that it was me. Yeah, they, they wanted to be creative. <laughs> like really early on, like at the in the beginning of the movie when when he was still Ray Wise, they had a moment where they went out on the boat together and he gives her a flower and says, "There's always beautiful things to find in the swamp." Well, he does that again to mm-hmm. her swamp thing, and that's where it was like the trigger, which was clever enough, I guess. But he could have been like, "Hey, it's me. Relax. It's this guy. It's this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I had good hair, but now I don't." And uh, but like I said, when they had that party with Bruno. And Arcane is like thanking uh, Bruno for all his uh, contributions, toasting him and everything, not realizing that he put the serum in Bruno's drink and he's in front of everybody. He wants to see what happens. That's a way to bring a party down, by the way. It certainly is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, We got the strippers, the food, the liquor. And now you do something like this because afterwards it was it was over. So he takes the the drink and there was so many questionable type things like he didn't start turning or even reacted to it until Lewis Jordan mentioned it. <laughs> like he drank it and he's fine and he's fine. Then Lewis Jordan's building up and he's talking about it. And once Lewis Jordan says, uh, it's in your, it's in your drink or whatever he says, that's when he starts reacting and twitching and everything. And you, they <laughs> do, they do a bunch of cutaways. And when they come back, his nose is kind of off kilter and he's got like sores on his face. And then he's, he's doing most of it. He's doing himself with his face. And then he goes under the table and when he comes up under the table, he's literally this little person with like this pig-like face mm-hmm. that was just running on top of the table, running at people. Everyone's freaking out. And so now Lewis Jordan is like, thank Christ I didn't drink that shit. And he wants to know, and he wants to know it specifically when he captures Swamp Thing. It's one of the big things he wants to know from me. He says, why did I give, I gave him the right serum. Why did this happen to Bruno? And look what happened to you. And he's like, well, basically the serum takes on your, your best qualities. You know, if you're, if you're a big warrior at heart and everything, then that's what you'll become when you take the serum. That's why he became Swamp Thing. And apparently uh, a, a little toad or a little <laughs> pig is what Bruno was <laughs> deep inside because that's what he became. Would have been cool to see a whole bunch of different monsters. Obviously, mm. they didn't have enough money to it. They didn't have the budget to do that one. But Lewis Jordan, instead of doing, I would have done two more tests mm. on other people, man. What Three the more. fuck? What, what, what do you just... Get a sample size. It's one of those things. Maybe he was drunk. They should have done it with like... It, that's why there's so much they can do with this movie. Like if he got even just a straight remake of this movie, they could have made it a little better. But the nostalgia purpose and how kind of campy and comic book like is what made this so great, to, in my opinion, is so Arcane takes the the liquid. And at first, it's like he cocoons himself, basically. He gets cocooned. His skin turns black and you realize that he's almost like a, a cocoon inside of his body. And he busts out at one point. And he's kind of like a wildebeest, maybe. It's like a man slash uh, wildebeest mm. slash uh, warrior warrior hog or something like that. He has a snout for a face, but he's got a huge... Whoever played him was huge. And he was wielding a broadsword and everything. I loved it. I thought it looked good. Uh, and it came all the way down to like um, him fighting him in the woods and everything. <laughs> Before that too, remember when uh, Swamp Thing gets his arm chopped off mm-hmm. and he has like that little arm, like uh, Kristen Wiig's little arm. <laughs> 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 it 
Saturday Night Live, yeah. and it's reaching towards the uh, the light, which was interesting because he had his arm chopped off and nothing was happening. It was just you thought it was gone, but then when he exposed it to the light, which was a clever thing, you were like, oh, it's he's a plant, you know? Mm-hmm. He exposes him to light, his little arm starts growing. So we all, all we see it as, as a little arm, and then all of a sudden it becomes kind of a big arm. So he's, he's ready to fight after that. And they have that great scene with him fighting in the woods uh, in the middle of the swamp later on, which was awesome. I mean, I, you have I, to have that. I mean, yeah, you're going to have that. But at at that point, Ray Wise and Lewis Jordan are uh, a distant memory. It's just the stunt guys in the suits mm-hmm. and everything. But it was still good. You saw Adrian Barbo freaking out. She got stabbed. He had to heal her, Yeah, remember? he had to heal her. So he had healing properties. He used it for the little black kid, too. He had got hit in the head earlier in the uh, the pitcher. And then uh, that's where he, he grabbed his face and it, uh, all the blood went away. And that's where he gave that great line of, there goes, no shit, there goes the neighborhood <laughs> <laughs> when he saw him. Uh, I loved it. I mean, what was some of your favorite stuff with this? I mean, you have fond memories of this as a kid, don't we? Because oh, we yeah, were, yeah. we were. If it came out in '82, we watched it in '83. Say, I was seven, about to be eight. You were ten or or nine. No, you were ten. You were born at the beginning of the year, so you were probably ten years old when you watched this. It freaked I liked me all out. The early stuff, the camp stuff. Yeah, the the stuff with the science. I like the stuff with Ray Wise. Yeah, it, it's a shame they didn't have. I mean, it's probably an hour and a half movie, and definitely could have been two hours because they could have flushed out a little bit more of the scientist stuff. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't had to. They wouldn't have had to put more special effects. I know most people would be like, "Well, they couldn't afford to do it." I would have taken more scientist stuff. They didn't do that back then. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Wes Craven was probably young when he did this. I mean, if this was after um, the Last House on the Left, which was super gorilla then he was still trying to find himself and try to find these cool kind of things for it. it. It's not representative of much. You can't watch it and be like, oh, that's Wes Craven. I mean, not really. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you later on, you could with, with Scream and he, he, he notoriously had a lot of jabs at the industry uh, later in his career with his movies. And they especially with, uh, with Scream was a big one where he was just jabbing at the, the genre itself. Concept. We had Jamie Kennedy. Yep, Jamie Kennedy. But even before that, The New Nightmare. The New Nightmare was probably the first one where he was like, I'm just going to break the fourth, fifth, or sixth wall, you know, and just take us right in there to the, the actors' houses mm-hmm. and have them discuss the movie we've already made. I mean, that was kind of ingenious at the mm-hmm. time. No one had done that. Uh, so it's a shame, really, we don't get to see Wes be a part of I just watched the latest Scream movie, which I had started it once and never went back to it. It was good enough. It was it, it was good enough, and it comes. The new one comes out in like a month, so I'll go see it. Uh, Jenna Ortega is the main kind of girl in it, and uh, she's kind of the flavor of the month right now because of the Wednesday series. Did you watch the Wednesday series? Yeah, it was good. I liked it. Uh, so yeah, I loved Swamp Thing. I thought it was great. It was one of those nostalgic, like most of these Tubi movies. It's all about nostalgia and watching these. Either these great directors early on, or great actors early on, or sometimes both. Like with uh, with Warlock, I mean, we we didn't get to see Julian. That was like the first thing we saw Julian Sands in. So have they, have they not closed that case? Mm-mm. He's still missing. It's still missing. Still open. It's been like twenty days. I mean, at some point, do they He's call dead. it? Are they? Uh, I don't know if you heard. I was talking to Justin about it. He's like super advanced hiker. Like he only goes to dangerous places type hiker. And his friends that hike with him says he could last months out there. Uh, he's like, he's that guy. He's like the, the weather was so notorious that day. And his friends are like, that's why he went out there. He's like, I guarantee it. He saw the weather getting bad. And he was like, I'm going to go truck and try this shit. He's like, that's his, 
like climbing that sheer face of the mountain type thing. He's been doing it for his entire life. Uh, so he's, uh, his friend, you gotta know that his friends eventually it's going to happen. Yeah. His friends basically said, don't count them out yet. So hmm. we'll see what happens. I mean, that's be a, a great movie. That's a fucking movie and a half. <laughs> if he I'm going to play out. myself. Yeah. I'll play myself. <laughs> no, we've recasted you. Uh, Sorry. Damn. <laughs> He's one of those actors you forget about that was just recently just a recently announced at uh, uh, at MegaCon or maybe it was the Tampa Comic Con, whichever one it was. It was one of the cons that's coming out this year in Florida. They announced a rare appearance because he hasn't been uh, in the spotlight for a while of Christopher Lambert. Christopher Lambert has that same Julian Sands that you he did so much in the time period where he was acting that you know who he was but you forgot that he was even around mm-hmm. and it, he looks fabulous. He looks really great. And, uh, that's awesome that he's going out there and he can talk like uh, Highlander and uh, fortress with people and shit like that. I always liked him, but I wasn't sure why <laughs> it was in a lot of good movies. He wasn't necessarily a great actor because English was his second language and he came off a little stiff here and there, but he, he was good enough uh, in those movies to make him really great. Where Aunt Julia Sands just had like Louis Jordan from this movie had that. If you have that great kind of voice, you can just that'll carry you through for years, man. Like Louis Jordan, Jordan saying octopusy in that in the James Bond movie, octopusy in his French <laughs> voice, just killer, man. You forget that being like uh, American and loving the the movies and the arts that we don't hear American accents and that we're suckers for a good British accent or or foreign accent that. He seems so much more believable in that role than somebody with an American accent. We kind of we we should have hired some more. Uh, did we have anyone the with best, a foreign the, accent? The best British accent on an American I've ever seen is Spike from Buffy. James oh, really? DeMasters. He was American. He's American, but he does a British accent. Whole character for the whole run of the series was British. Huh. Well, that goes to his. He was great. That goes to his accent coach because they have those accent coaches, and some people are nail it, nail it, nail it. I thought he was British. Yeah, that's crazy when that when that can happen. I always thought that when uh, because it goes the other the way. British people can do our accent. Oh, super, like, super good. That's Kate what Winslet I was saying. Or, or I, I always found it weird, like uh, Tom Holland, who plays Spider Man. He plays Spider Man now. I did. Like he goes. That one. He goes and visits. The uh, kids in the uh, hospital. And he uses his British accent. What? I was like, "Why are you You're doing so that?" Disappointed. This, these kids this don't know Spider-Man. you. This is Spider-Man. This is Spider-Man. I want the American Spider-Man. I think it's so weird. They had. I saw a video with him zooming into kids and everything. I was like, "You can you can put your American accent in yeah, for these kids, it. dude. Fake that shit." I always thought that was weird because these kids clearly are are going to be shocked. At least by Johnny Depp you. shows up in costume. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. Say what you want from Johnny Depp, but Johnny Depp will show up uh, kind of as Captain Jack. Still one of the best things he ever did was jump into that Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disney World. He jumped in there and was in the scenes with all those animatronic people, and it freaked people out. This video of it, YouTube it, people, where you can watch a video of Johnny Depp really being in the... It probably was Disneyland more than Disney World, mm-hmm. since it was probably right down the street from him. But, uh, yeah. He needed some good press for like that <laughs> yeah. at that time. No, he'll bounce back. He'll bounce well, back. He wanted, if he had lost the lawsuit, he never would have yeah. bounced back. Anything else going on? He killed story? Jeff Beck, too. Oh, yeah, this sad news about uh, Bruce Willis, man. Oof. Oh, yeah. Not that he had it. He already was in a bad spot, but now I feel bad for him because you can look back at his last five years and... Yeah, you, you understand it now. Everyone feels bad for like He for was being, just taking everything he could to get as much money as he could. Yeah, and he was the butt of everyone's joke, and they didn't realize, hey, he's just trying to... And those directors probably really helped him out to mm-hmm. do it. Be like, we understand. I'm wondering how open he was he about probably had the issue. I mean, he probably... Lines. had 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He had trouble with his line, is what I heard. I heard that about Ray Liotta right before he died, too. Mm-hmm. The uh, Joey Diaz was on the set of The Many Saints of Newark, and they said he could not remember a thing. He said he had to... He had to literally get cards and have it shouted out to him beforehand, and he was angry at himself for it. And so then for him to die a couple of years later, you're wondering, oh, did this have some sort of connect to it and everything? Mm-hmm. But yeah, now that Bruce Willis has dementia, uh, I'm not sure. I mean, he's probably only got a couple of years left to him. And uh, that's sad. It's great that he's put a body of work together. Of mm-hmm. like, I mean, he's, he's a movie star, like movie, movie, he's star. A movie star. I mean, <laughs> that's why it was such an amazing thing when they did the Planet Hollywood with like... Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, and Bruce Willis, where they were like the three biggest uh, fucking stars ever, came up with that Planet Hollywood thing. Is that even around anymore? I don't know. Huh? I was always a genius idea. I liked the idea that they could actually have real memorabilia. Every actor was coming in and donating like the Terminator jacket. Obviously, I know why he did it. He's, he's part of it. But anybody that uh, Luke Skywalker give a uh, lightsaber or something like that. Uh, I love that idea. He's got that them lying around. I mean, everywhere. it's like, it's basically um, Hard Rock Cafe, but movie related mm-hmm. and everything. It's a genius idea. So, I don't know how that's connected to Swamp Thing, but I made it connected to Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, check out Swamp Thing. And you, you've you've got to watch it in the eyes of, this is cheesy, this is early, early comic book stuff, say, uh, early West stuff. A lot of, a lot of YouTube, stuff. the Tubi movies. Well, that yeah, you could say that with most of them because, but they're fun, man. That's Especially, what going for. I, I'm more interested in what uh, like millennials think of them if they, they think they're like if they think they're stupid or if they, they think, think they just stupid. can't be fun. Why is like why isn't it because in focus as kids mm-hmm. we were we were into the Universal horror movies. Those weren't ours, but they were ours. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, all those movies and the Abbott and Costello movies were still new. Though. Yeah, like well, from the eyes of a kid too, you know. You, you're looking at it in a whole different kind of point of view and everything. It doesn't look cheesy. That's why kids are scared of Swamp Thing like I were. This was like high-end horror to me. But to everyone else, you didn't... Nowadays, kids wouldn't be scared of Swamp Thing. You don't, we didn't realize why our parents were so flippant about, uh, oh, that shit's stupid. Like, they even thought Ghostbusters was stupid, like our, our parents. Mm-hmm. They're like, ah, that's just ridiculous and stupid. I'm like, come on, man. That's one of the best movies ever made. Mm-hmm. Shut your mouth. <laughs> oh yeah so Swamp Thing me and Justin are hoping hoping to do if Tubi will hold out a little longer and keep it kind of up there Justin has I think finally when this drops for sure but I think while we're recording this uh, Justin has returned from uh, Alaska had a great adventure in Alaska in in the cold where I had a good adventure in the sun so we'll have to chat about that the next episode but we're hoping to do the first power if it holds out and stays with Tubi the great kind of body-swapping action horror with Lou Diamond Phillips that was huge as a kid. That was like a big movie, man. We loved that as a kid. Me and my cousin were huge First Power fans. I'm pretty sure Eric saw it in the theater, too. I think he saw First Power in the movie theater. So if it holds out and it's going to be there for a little while longer, me and Justin are definitely going to do the First Power. Then we're going to do our anniversary episode is finally coming up. So me and Justin will visit the farm. We'll do a, uh, a small little trivia uh, well, the trivia will actually be pretty big, but the uh, we'll do a wild card where each of us talk about three movies we want to talk about, and uh, we end it with the uh, the trivia challenge. So that's going to be something to look forward to coming up, and then obviously more Tubi Tuesdays in the future. So it's it's one of the best streaming services you could have right now because minimal uh, commercials. There might be five during the whole thing and they were like they're not much they're like 45 seconds long it's totally worth it there's some movies on there that you should not be that almost should not be available they're super hard to find on dvd that are on there so it, it's really a gift 
for people that are looking for a smaller kind of low budget films that are going to get lost, uh, Tubi's. Anytime I hear about one of those movies, like those random, random movies, Tubi's always the first place I run to because I assume that it's going to be there. Uh, like, like I said, the Canon films, they must have an overall contract. That's got to be a great business model to like just mm-hmm. study and look at all these well, streaming all just, services. You can project how much viewing it's going to get, so you know what to charge for ads. Yeah, it's and it it's covers really, the contract. It's, it's with genius, the, and with when there's so many places, it's more of a tech company. Well. It's so many places like Netflix and HBO who just raise their price per month, and now Netflix is cracking down on the password sharing. It's just going to make places like Pluto and Tubi that much more. YouTube is good, too. Free movies you, on YouTube. Yep. There is a certain amount. They do charge for a good chunk of their movies there. Most of the most of the movies that you really want to see, are you got to pay for, but... That's there the beauty is a of, bunch that aren't, though. Yeah, there are a bunch of that, that aren't. But Tubi and Pluto are two of the more exclusive ones that it's there. Watch it. It's free. And TV and, uh, and uh, what do you call it, movies. I just bought some TV they don't have. I just bought the 1983 Dungeons and Dragons cartoon series, mm-hmm. the whole complete series, 27 episodes. I forgot how great that was. I specifically, that's like one of the first times as a kid I, re- I almost had a shot into the the business side of it because I remember watching it every week and they were sporadic and I remember having discussions with Eric I love that Dungeons and Dragons show why isn't it every week why is it playing one Saturday and three weeks later another episode plays and it was because the show was struggling and by that third season they were coming out with one every like month they had one drop and then it just fizzled out after that and that's how kind of shows end sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> you learn that as a kid you can't always watch Masters of the Universe they're not always going to make G G.I. Joe cartoons? No. Nope. Sometimes you become a man-child and have to watch them later in life. That's my <laughs> lot in life. All right. So if you want, you can uh, join us on Facebook where you can communicate with me and Justin, see all the pictures of movies we're going to drop. You can also send us an email, films at gmail.com, or you could leave us a like or a comment on our platforms, which are SoundCloud and iTunes. Let us know what your favorite Tubi movie is, or if you specifically like Swamp Thing. I know there's a lot of Swamp Thing fans out there, so let us know. Uh, <laughs> it's probably the only Swamp Thing podcast you're going to hear this week. I know. What the hell? We're the only one in the world, people. Feel exclusive now. Uh, tell us what you think of Adrian Barbo's topless scene. <laughs> Do you think it was gratuitous? Because certainly after rewatching it, no. I'm glad it's there. I'm glad it's there, but it was definitely gratuitous. <laughs> it was definitely gratuitous. <laughs> it's like, wait. Uh, Someone that watches that scene has never been in a swamp. Yeah. There's nothing <laughs> clean you can get. They I'm, made it look pretty sexy. Uh, and I don't know how, yeah, I don't know how she thinks you she's know how bad a, enough a, that. it smells in a swamp. Oh, God. Yeah, she probably caught something from doing that scene. Yeah. Even doing the scene in the movie. Oh, God. I feel bad for her as an actress having to do it. Just, she probably had a wetsuit from the, from I, I the hope, stomach. Yeah. No, you, you're going to get something. <laughs> she got something from the swamp. It's <laughs> <laughs> that way. All right. Well, until next week, with we're hoping the first power, if not another exciting movie. See you. Bye. Oh shit. There goes a new one.